Late in the evening of May the 30th, a group of some 30 far-right activists carrying store-bought tiki torches in a clumsy homage to the Ku Klux Klan set off fireworks in the direction of the Brazilian Supreme Court building, demanding military intervention in the name of President Jair Bolsonaro and the arrest of all 11 justices of Brazil's highest court. The protests raised tensions in Brasilia to unprecedented levels, as the political establishment accused the government of not only failing to condemn the protests, but actively endorsing them on private social media channels. As authorities bumped heads on how to enforce social isolation measures as a way to control the coronavirus spread, the Bolsonaro administration engaged in a series of attacks against its fellow branches of government. At one point, the president even threatened to send military troops to shut down the Supreme Court before being talked down by some of his closest allies. As the pandemic raged in Brazil, the president and his allies defied democratic institutions on a weekly basis, and calls for impeachment started to erupt in many circles. Five months removed from that moment, the political climate could not be any more different. Jair Bolsonaro, the president elected on an anti-establishment message, is now going mainstream. The president has tried to mend fences with Supreme Court justices who, just months ago, his supporters wanted to see behind bars. He also engaged deeply in horse trading politics, something he spent decades describing as veiled corruption. And while this amazing U-turn has far-right activists fuming and left-wingers declaring smug I-told-you-so's at the blatant hypocrisy of the once anti-politics president, the truth is that Bolsonaro's new tactic is working. He has never been stronger among politicians or more popular among voters. Still many pitfalls remain in Bolsonaro's path. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. When Bolsonaro won the 2018 presidential election, many on the left thought the far-right leader would be only a stopgap, a man so clumsy and inept that he would be lucky to make it until the end of his term. As granted, the beginning of the Bolsonaro administration was a fiasco on many levels. Foreign policy, the anti-corruption fight, economic reforms, and especially the environment. But Bolsonaro has proven to be much savvier than people once thought, and has successfully outfoxed all of the members of his administration who threatened to steal his thunder and undermine his leadership. And little by little, he has opted not to destroy the Brazilian political establishment, but rather to tame it and co-opt it. According to renowned Brazilian poster Ibope, 40% of Brazilians say Jair Bolsonaro is doing a good or a great job as head of state. And that is despite the fact that he oversaw one of the worst responses to the pandemic in the world, with over 5.1 million coronavirus cases and 151,000 deaths. 
unlike Lula, Bolsonaro has not had a commodities boom to profit from. His first year saw sluggish economic growth and the pandemic hit in his second year. The years 2019 and 2020 have served to shatter many of the certainties political observers had. So to try and make sense of all this, we invited Pablo Hortelado, a public policy professor at the University of Sao Paulo. Pablo, thanks for joining us. For people who don't follow President Bolsonaro as closely as you do, can you explain what has happened to the president's demeanor? Bolsonaro built a, a very populist campaign in which he opposed to the traditional institutions like the parliament and, and the Supreme Court. Once he got elected, he was constantly criticizing the Supreme Court and the parliament. And up until June of 2020, he was taking part in these big demonstrations against the Supreme Court and against the parliament. So for a while, he was flirting with, uh, you know, maybe overthrowing those institutions. Then suddenly the Supreme Court uh, organized uh, 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 an investigation uh, against these anti-democratic demonstrations on one hand. On the other hand, uh, attacks to the Supreme Court, attacks on social media to the Supreme Court, and using the powers of those investigations uh, a Supreme Court justice uh, arrested some of Bolsonaro's supporters. And apparently Bolsonaro felt that uh, that confrontation to the institutions will take the country to a big crisis in which he might not be the winner. So after that, he started uh, getting more and more institutionalized, more acting more like a normal president in the sense that he started dialogue with the traditional political forces, talking to the heads of both chambers of the parliament, both the Senate and the House of Representatives. And in the, in the past week, he made several moves consolidating that change, this different approach in which he constantly talks to the other powers instead of being antagonistic against them. It's interesting because some of these movements that forced Bolsonaro to contain his impulses are highly questionable themselves. For instance, the Supreme Court investigation into social media attacks against its members. The court decided to act as plaintiff, judge, jury, and executioner all at once. And at the same time, this curbed an escalation of attacks against democratic institutions, so could we say that the very flaws of Brazilian democratic institutions is what might be their saving grace? This is one of the many paradoxes that we're living right now. The Supreme Court movements were pretty irregular because the Supreme Court was acting as judge, as persecutor, and as victim. So all the roles were mixed in one single institution and it was heavily criticized. However, the movement was very effective. Apparently, Bolsonaro got really scared, and that was what made his change his attitude towards the institution. So it worked, even though it wasn't 
play by the book. Uh, so we'll have to wait to see how this will, what will be the, the, the consequences of this being incorporated into our political culture. That's the only way to, you know, stop Bolsonaro is to step out of line. Maybe, you know, we'll have to pay the price for that in the future, but we'll have to see. The president has characterized himself by this pull and push relationship with Congress and with the Supreme Court. As we covered in this podcast before, the script repeated itself multiple times. Bolsonaro went rogue, faced some backlash, then offered some token of moderation, only to start that process over and over and over again. Is this time any different? He has this back and forth kind of way of moving, but this time seems more lasting because, you know, uh, the rats, the, the moves of the Supreme Court against his supporters happened in June. Since, so all July, August and September, Bolsonaro has been really at a lower tone. It has been much more moderate for three months. So this seems a little bit longer than the, the you know, the, the episodes of moderation that we've seen in the past, which was much more brief. It would happen like in one day, two days later, he will say like a very strong statement against the institutions. This time, he seems to be moderate for a longer period. So, uh, and, uh, and the other thing that happened in the meantime was that his support uh, rates uh, have increased uh, by 10 points. So this has nothing to do originally with his moderation. It's not connected to its moderation to his moderation, it's connected to the money that he, he managed to give uh, informal workers that, was, that helped people dur during the pandemic. Bolsonaro gave about $1,000 to half of the workforce of, uh, uh, of Brazil. So that had a huge impact in his uh, uh, support. So I guess... Uh, he realized because he has a strong sense of opportunity that he can, uh, you know, he can became, become a normal president and increase his base of support. So I think he's studying uh, how he's going to move. Especially because his relationship with Congress is better, but it is far from being a true partnership, right? Deborah Alvarez, our Brazilian correspondent, reported for our premium daily newsletter about Bolsonaro not trusting his congressional supporters. Uh, in February 2021, Congress will elect a new House Speaker and a new Senate President. And the President may ask his agriculture minister, uh, Teresa Cristina, to return to Congress to run for the Speaker position. His aides told Deboda that Bolsonaro believes lawmakers' support is just circumstantial, and if the economy turns, he may lose it very quickly. I think Bolsonaro is correct in not being able to trust Congress. 
Congress has shown for much of his presidency for these first few years is being very independent. For example, Bolsonaro tried to pass a lot of legislation on social issues, and it is all stopped by the head of the House of Representatives. And on the other side, the economic agenda, the economic reforms, it was accelerated because Congress has its own agenda, very independent of the president. And if the situation changes, an independent Congress could uh, uh, move towards his impeachment. So he has reason to be concerned and to have uh, a more trustworthy person heading the Congress uh, will be much more uh, comfortable situation for him. So I, I think his concerns are legitimate. Uh, I mean, he has reason to be concerned. But even with these caveats we're talking about, how, how does this new reality change his relationship with his core supporters? The, it's better for him if he has like a, a better dialogue with the other powers, with the Supreme Court and the Parliament, in terms of having, you know, winning the next election cycle, he he he, he needs, you know, radical supporters, people who will die for him. So he has this dual uh, commitment right now. On one hand, he needs to, you know, normalize himself and reestablish a strong and steady dialogue with the institution. On the other hand, if he does it uh, too well, he might lose his radical supporters. So he'll probably have to adjust by, you know, pretending to be radical sometimes, but not being too radical to the point that the other institutions might try to, you know, confront him and he might eventually lose. Do far-right voters have an alternative to him or is that preference a lock on Bolsonaro? Right now, there is no alternative in the far right to him, but that could appear very quickly. Bolsonaro himself was like a, a rocket. He was just an unknown politician by the beginning of uh, 2018, and by the end of the year, he got elected president. So I guess he, he has reasons to be concerned this uh, this Sunday, this next Sunday, there'll be marks all over Brazil against him. And the motto is Bolsonaro Petista, which is Bolsonaro is like a disguised supporter of the Workers' Party, which is kind of weird because there is a part of his supporters who are really dissatisfied with this movement and they're trying to you know, to criticize and to attack him from the right. I, I think he realized that he must, you know, turn this, you know, circumstantial aid into a permanent aid for most informal workers at a lower level, at a lower level. So he has to find, you know, uh, uh, he has to find sources to fund this new aid. And I think this is not important. On one hand, I mean, the market forces and the financial markets might not like it because it will compromise fiscal uh, integrity. 
but on the other and on the other hand, if he's, uh, I think he'll, he'll find a way. There is way, even though even uh, if he, uh, you know, creates a new tax, I think he'll find ways to fund it, and that will that might be enough to consolidate this new level of support that he he he, he just got. So you're saying that. Should Bolsonaro manage to implement a cash transfer program beyond December? And the 2022 election is pretty much his to lose. If Bolsonaro finds a way to combine, you know, moral conservatism with social policies, that will be like a very hard to beat combination of political positions. We haven't seen you know, uh, someone who's like a more conservative and with so uh, uh, with uh, with uh, social policies oriented towards the poor. I think if he manages to balance both things, he might be unbeatable in the next election. And I think he's beginning to realize that, and that will make him much much stronger. And Pablo, before I let you go, one last question. Uh, when Bolsonaro won, many experts warned of the risks he represents for the democratic order. Well, he didn't exactly prove them wrong, but as we have discussed, institutions have been able to more or less contain him. But if Bolsonaro wins re-election, what would be the impact of eight years of Bolsonarism for Brazil? I think it's very concerning because if you look at uh, at those, you know, authoritarian populists that we've seen everywhere, the second term is the worst. I mean, the first term, they're basically, you know, filling the environment. In the second term is where they really push things. He, re they really move things. And I think if Bolsonaro wins the second term, Uh, he'll try to overthrow the institutions, even if not in a traditional coup, but maybe, you know, by by taking the powers, uh, stepping over the institutions, you know, adding new justices to the Supreme Court, you know, taking powers out of Congress. I think it's going to make small moves in order to, to, to take away powers from the institutions that could challenge or balance his own power. So I think it's very risky if he gets a second term because that's where, what happens elsewhere. This is what happens in Turkey. This is what happens in Hungary. This is what happens uh, uh, elsewhere. Pablo Hortelado is a public policy professor at the University of São Paulo. Pablo, thanks for joining us, and thank you for following our podcast. If you like what we are doing, please rate us with five stars and recommend this podcast to your friends and co-workers. But know that the best way to support this show is by subscribing to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. Every day we have new content on Brazil and Latin America, and it's all original, made by our own journalists. And you can try it for free for one week before making up your mind. So just go to brazilian.report/slash subscribe. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. 
And this was Explaining Brazil. 